This episode includes mentions and detailed experiences of mental health issues and struggles. Please take care in listening. Thank you. Girlwise is a safe space to learn and discuss all kinds of topics through anecdotes and evidence-based research. I'm your host, Brenda Nicole, and welcome to Girlwise. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Girlwise. How's everyone's summer going? We are smack in the middle of summer, and this has been one of the best summers I've had in, not even joking, 10 years. I've discussed my summer seasonal depression on YouTube before, and though it got really bad from around 2013 to 2014, I think it started way before that. If I had a guess, I would say it started the summer before middle school. I remember the week before sixth grade, I barely got any sleep because I would have persistent and intense panic attacks every single night. I would wake up drenched in sweat about every three hours, and it was those panic attacks where my heart was beating out of my chest and I was hyperventilating while I was asleep. It was awful. Still to this day, probably some of the worst panic attacks I've ever had in my entire life. A lot of that had to do with the fact that I had very extreme social phobia, but it was also in part due to academic anxiety. Academic anxiety is defined as feelings of anxiety that are caused by or related to schoolwork. Hey everyone! Before we begin, I wanted to give a clear and important disclaimer to ensure that listeners understand the limitations of the advice given on this podcast. I am not a professional or expert on the topics being discussed, and you should always use your own judgment when it comes to where you stand on a subject and making decisions. While I do my best to direct you in what I think is the right direction, it is always wise to consult with a qualified professional when seeking advice on a particular issue. References will be in the show notes so you can take a look at the places I'm getting my information from as well. You know your own story and situation better than anyone else, so do what is best for you always. Thank you so much and enjoy this episode. One of the worst cases of this showed up in the sixth grade, which I guess was a year of many changes and all of them very scary, when I had to do my science fair project. I had absolutely no idea what I was getting myself into when I decided that this project was going to be something along the lines of what conditions will be best for sprouting potatoes. And I, unfortunately, decided to essentially conduct two experiments at once. I not only put potatoes in different places around my apartment, one in the fridge, one in a dark pantry, and one above the fridge where light would reach it, but I also put three different types of potatoes in each place. So immediately, there was no way it was going to work out because there were way too many variables, a concept that I clearly did not understand at the time. A bit of background on me, I grew up in a household of immigrants where we were all first generation. Naturally, grades in school were of the utmost importance, and I was a very noble and good kid that essentially lived for the approval of my parents. They convinced me that I had to be the best at everything, every time. Anything other than that, I was a disappointment. Of course, this is literally impossible, so I was being set up for failure from the very beginning. That's not to say I wasn't a good student. It was the opposite. I moved to the U.S. on a Friday, and on Monday, I was attending my first day of second grade 
without knowing more than a dozen words in English. No one knows how I did it. Not even I do. But by the end of the school year, I was fluent. And by the fourth grade, I was top of my class. Even so, no matter how hard I tried, and trust me, I tried, I always, without fail, every year would get a single B in a class. It was usually math. As an adult in hindsight, though, I have a sneaking suspicion that I was sabotaged by my teachers because of discrimination, inhibiting me pretty much from getting all A's, but that's a whole nother episode. Back to the science fair project. I bought my potatoes, placed them in their respective spots, and I was actually excited to get it going. I knew how important this was for my science grade, how big a deal getting best in show was in my school, and how everyone held the judges in high regard, so it was going to be important for me to impress them. And so the torture began. If you're unfamiliar with what a science fair project is, it's basically a thorough science experiment that closely follows the scientific method. You're given three months, or at least we were, to do it because some kids go above and beyond and do some really crazy and impressive experiments. It really is like the movie scenes where the kids present their projects and experiments and get a ribbon accordingly. After I did what I thought was the hard work of researching and coming up with a hypothesis, I thought I was going to be able to relax for like the next two months. During that time, the only thing I was supposed to do was write one entry a week detailing the changes I saw in my potatoes. Easy, right? Then, at the end, take all of that information and put it in a scientific paper recapping the experiment. In 2015, Cornell University identified four components of academic anxiety. The first one was worry, meaning thoughts that prevent the student from focusing and finishing the task. These can range from self-deprecating, predictions of failure, consequences of doing poorly, etc. The management techniques they suggest to combat this component are positive mental imagery, disputing negative thoughts with realistic thoughts, and self-hypnosis. Though I'm unsure what they mean by that one. The second one is emotionality, meaning the physical symptoms of anxiety like a racing heart, sweating, rapid breathing, etc. The suggestion that they use to deal with this one would be muscle and breathing relaxation techniques. So like deep breaths, yoga, stretching, etc. Number three, task generated interference. These are behaviors that are related to the task, but don't contribute to its completion and prevent successful performance. For example, checking the clock multiple times, over-checking or under-checking work, or procrastinating. The way they suggest dealing with this is to work with a study instructor or tutor to help you best unlearn these behaviors and help you work most efficiently. Number four is study skills deficits. This refers to problems in the student's methods towards studying or completing tasks like cramming or working in environments that aren't conductive to their goal. Of course, the only way to help with this one is by receiving help from an instructor on how to improve your study skills. So they concluded that the culmination of all of these would be extreme anxiety and that actually leads to poor performance in schools. And I went through each and every stage of this during that first science fair. I very quickly became 
overwhelmed with the prospect of such a big workload from such an important project that I almost immediately shut down and went to my default state of dealing with stress, which is procrastination. Everything that I had to do became so daunting that I did everything in my power to avoid it. Every day I would tell myself I would do it later and every day the work that I had to do grew. Eventually, a few weeks before my project was due, my mother yelled at me for not doing my work and not having written more than a single journal entry on the first day. I cried and cried that day which turned into an anxiety attack and I questioned why on earth we were put through these things in the first place. I vowed to only do the bare minimum for the next science fairs, and when it was no longer a requirement to do them, I would never put myself through that ever again. I have no idea how, but I wrote down a few entries from what I could remember and finished the project as best as I could. Even putting my poster board to present brought even more tears and emotional attacks. I finally finished the darn thing and I was convinced that I was going to get third place. Everyone had a place, so getting third place was just like a participation award and getting best in show was higher than first place and it meant that your project would go on to compete in the county fairs against other schools. When the day finally came, I set up my trifold along with everyone else's, defeated but glad that it was over. And of course, Comparing my project to everyone else's, still beating myself up that I had had such trouble dealing with this and how terrible my grade was going to be compared to everyone else's. About a week and a half went by and the results were finally in. I was dreading seeing what place I got, super scared that I was going to disappoint everyone, and had really no hopes of doing well at all. I walked around the maze of projects, bracing myself for the worst, and when I finally got to mine, I saw it. A shiny blue first place ribbon on my board. I remember vividly audibly gasping. I could not believe it. I opened my journal to see what notes the judge had left me, and if my memory serves me correctly, she put verbatim, well done but too many variables. Clearly, this experience has changed me as a person and I refer back to it often. I reflect on all the things that could have changed if one, I had a more supportive environment at home, two, I had better stress coping mechanisms that stopped me from procrastinating, and three, if my poor mental health didn't stop me from thinking things clearly. Notice how all of these setbacks are perfectly encapsulated by the four components. I am most certain that I would have been able to probably even win the national competition if I had ways of managing my academic anxiety. And though this is one of the worst examples, it used to be like almost a theme that every single time I had a project, it would turn into an emotional breakdown from how much pressure I was putting myself to do it perfectly. <sighs> These grades, man, they controlled my childhood like crazy. But when I got to college or university, I learned that I had narcolepsy and went through an intense journey with my sleep. I decided that 
even though I was in med school, a place that notoriously makes you sacrifice rest, there was no way that I could physically survive without prioritizing sleep. It was really bad. My narcolepsy attacks were out of control back then. And even though it's medically known that good sleep helps with memorization and cognitive thinking, some of the doctors that taught me the classes still made fun of me for sleeping 10 hours of night instead of studying. Can you guys believe that? It was truly bizarre. But you know what? I got great grades on almost every single test. The people who did all-nighters would give me passive-aggressive comments all the time because I got good grades and felt 10 times better than most of them. It's almost like science is right and sacrificing sleep mental health, and social time actually worsens your academic performance. It's counterintuitive. And then, amongst other things, med school got too expensive and I had to drop out. My initial plan was to go back after a year of saving, but the craziest thing happened. A pandemic that flipped the healthcare world upside down and made me realize that I just wasn't built to be in that world and handle things like that. So there I was, with no prospect for my future, and I had a breakdown. All my life, I had been told that good grades were a surefire way to guarantee a successful future, as if that was the only path to success. And I did that. I spent endless days worrying about them. I sacrificed so much of my childhood, putting all of my worth onto my report card. I was the smart girl, teacher's pet, student body president, competition winner, group leader, valedictorian. Just to be out of school with nowhere to go. It became clear that grades were never going to save me. I had to fight for my own path in life. I am so glad I don't have to go to school anymore. If you're currently dealing with these things, I hope you do get help, professional mainly, because, man, the stress that you can get from school and grades is incomparable, really. And I'm super thankful that that back-to-school stress and freakout is no longer a reality for me. I look back at my schooling years and I don't think about the pride I feel for my grades or how much some of my teachers liked me. Instead, it's filled with insane regret of transforming my childhood into an anxious mess, worrying about fears that were never real in the first place. But when you're mentally ill, man, they feel very real. Those good grades will just sit there doing nothing for me, but regaining my mental health is a process that I will be working towards for the rest of my life. Those consequences are much more permanent than the numbers on a forgotten sheet of paper that, as an adult, will never be recognized ever again. All of this is to say that success will be different for everyone, and that is not defined by the grades you got in that midterm. We put so much pressure on kids to get good grades as if no other efforts for success will matter except for those. I remember super clearly that there were teachers that told us that when deciding who to recommend for university scholarships, the kids' grades who they were comparing were so similar that they had to go all the way back to kindergarten to compare their grades 
and that's what made the final call. Imagine being the one who didn't get the scholarship after working so hard to get the exact same grades, and you learned that you didn't get it because the grades you got when you were five weren't perfect. This is an example of why they don't guarantee you anything. There are so many different paths to being happy and satisfied in life, even if you do want to expand your education. I just saw this TikTok, which I I understand means it could be false. I'm just sharing what I saw of this girl whose teacher told her that she would never be able to go into postgraduate school because of her 2.3 GPA. And she just graduated with her master's. And the quote that she says in that TikTok was something along the lines of, I did it. And to that teacher that told me that I couldn't do it, I was always capable. It's just that some of us didn't have the privilege of only focusing on school. And man, that holds a lot of power. There were other people in the comments sharing similar stories, meaning that everything you want to achieve can be achieved, not because of your grades, but because you are persistent in your goals. There are many careers that don't even rely on academic performance. Just like in my story, life is too unpredictable to put all of your eggs in one basket. I did everything quote unquote right and I was still left behind. I understand now that thinking that good grades were all I needed in life is quite silly, but when you tell that non-stop to a child, it really does become their reality. As I mentioned, I put a lot of my self-worth into those A's. I had to do a whole deconstruction of who I was without those accomplishments. And that's the whole point. I could have gotten the most mid or even quote-unquote bad grades in the world, and they would have taken nothing away from me, and I would still be the exact same person I am now. I see now that they don't really reflect intelligence. They just reflect how good you are at some skills like memorization and test-taking. Failure has absolutely nothing to do with grades. I don't understand why every single adult in my life puts so much worth on them. And trying to live up to expectations of our elders or people we look up to will also never satisfy us. It's an unfair standard. Now, I am in no way, and I do not want this to be misconstrued, saying that education isn't important. Education is the single most important thing for women's health and freedom globally. I understand that. I love learning more than anything and still pursue being educated on as many topics as I can. However, sacrificing mental well-being over a number on a paper does the opposite of what education is intended to do. I learned the hard way that there is so much more to life than grades from school. So don't give up on yourself for it. But hey, that's just my experience. Okay, that was a very passionate talk by me. We have finally come to Ask Me Anything, the ending segment of the podcast where you can ask me absolutely anything. Today's question is, how did you come up with the name Girlwise? Um, actually, my sister came up with this one. Have I already answered this question? 
Actually, my sister came up with the name. We were brainstorming and I was like, I want it to be something kind of clever, like two words. Um, We brainstormed and actually that was the first one that she came up with. Like immediately, that was the first idea that she gave to me. And I was like, wow, that's really good. And we brainstormed like a couple of more but that one's so, like no, nothing else could compare to that one. When she said it, I was like, that's definitely it. Because I knew that I wanted it to be a word that we could describe the essence of what the podcast was about. And being girl wise is just, I don't know, it sums it up perfectly. So yes, um, that was my sister. So all credit goes to her. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you want to send in a question, please do. I love, love, love reading you guys' questions. I read every single one of them. So don't be afraid to send them in. You can send them in at girlwisepod at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast as it helps me out a ton. And thank you so much for listening. Bye!